Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. Merry Christmas. Who's done with their shopping? Completely done. The rest of you have got some work to do, but I'm glad you're here. It's going to be a great day in church, and it's such an honor that you're here today. My name is Megan. That was my good-looking husband, Carrie, that was up here just earlier, and, and I get the privilege to bring the word this morning, so I'm super excited. But before we dive in, I just want to invite you to join us next Sunday, the very last Sunday of 2018, because we've got some great things planned, and if you've never been a part of this end-of-the-year service, you're not going to want to miss it. So every year, the last Sunday of the year, we call it our Believe Sunday. So what we do is we come to church and we set our expectations for what we're believing God to do in 2019. So next week, we will have a card that you get to fill out. I believe it's a digital thing, so it's real easy to do, where we're going to write down our top 10 prayer requests, the things that we're believing for God to do in 2019, because we believe we serve a miracle-working God. And so the thing I love about this is that we're going to write those things down and then our team is going to pray over them all year long. And we're going to be praying in agreement with you for God to do the miraculous in your life. And next year at the beginning of December, we're going to email that back out to you so that you can see all of the faithfulness of God. Because here's what I know. We often pray big prayers and we believe for God to do the miraculous in our lives. But oftentimes we miss the moments where he really does. And so by writing it down and praying specifically, I, I promise you, when you look back to see the things that God has done and his faithfulness in your life, you'll be blown away. The stories I could tell you of the belief cards from last year would blow your mind, but we'll share a little bit of that next week. So make sure you join us next Sunday. Be prepared for that. Listen, our kids are having a pajama party next Sunday over in kids. They're going to have a great time too. So make sure you make plans and you come out and join us because it's going to be awesome. But for right now, can we do this? Can I just pray one more time for us before we dive into the word? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, I just, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you, God, that you are so good. So today, God, we just fix our attention on you. God, for every person who walked in the room today, I, I don't believe there's any accident in any person who's here. God, I believe you have a word that you want to speak to each and every one of us. So would you open our hearts to receive and our ears to hear exactly what you have to say. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, I've been telling the church all December long how much I love Christmas. I love, love, love Christmas. And the title of my message today, if I was to give it a title, would be Joy to the World. Joy to the World. And if you're taking notes, and I would encourage you to take some notes today, you can text the word notes to the number on the screen and it'll send you some things. But if you're taking notes, you can write that down, Joy to the World. The thing that I love about Christmas is Christmas is supposed to be this incredible season of joy. 
this incredible season where we celebrate all that God has done. In fact, that song, Joy to the World, is one of the top three Christmas carols of all times. And when we think about Christmas, most of us realize and we think about the idea that, you know, the songs like Kermit the Frog sings on the Muppet Christmas, tis the season to be holly and joyous. I don't even know if that's the word, jolly and joyful, something like that. But it's real, right? We think about that. We think about the idea that Christmas time is supposed to be joyful. And I think that for most of us in this room, we would agree that joy is something we desire. We desire it. In fact, there's a a great man named St. Augustine, and, and he said this, without exception, all of us are trying our hardest to reach the same goal, joy. You know, I was reading through a a woman's magazine just recently, and it, it listed five keys to finding happiness and joy in love. So all my single ladies, take notes right now. Five keys to finding happiness and joy in love. And it said this, it's very important that you find a man who, number one, loves to work. Number two, is dependable. Number three, loves to laugh. Number four, is very romantic. And number five, it's very important that these four men never meet. (laughs) I thought that was pretty good. (laughs) I also heard someone say that happiness, happiness is described as having a large and loving and caring and close-knit family in another city. I mean, some of us know what that means. But I really do think that for the majority of every one of us in this room, we really do desire to experience joy. And you know, just as much as we serve a real God in heaven, there's a real enemy who's out to rob you of every gift that God has ever given you. It's like the Grinch, but there's no turnaround story. He really is out to take every single gift that God has given you. And the gift of Jesus, when we celebrate Christmas, the gift of Jesus truly is not just the gift of salvation and eternal life, which that alone is amazing, but it's the gift of peace, the gift of hope. The gift of joy. You know, have you ever gotten a Christmas gift for someone and you've just been so excited to give it to them? Like bought the perfect gift and you just couldn't wait to give it to them? Anybody in this room? No, none of you like to give gifts. All right. <laughs> I have a story. I, I had this one year, I think it was about two years ago, and, and Pastor Carey, he had been eyeing this incredible black leather backpack at Nordstrom. I mean, he had been staring at this bag. He had been telling me about it for months. And, and he just would, every time we would go into the mall, he would look at it. But this bag was atrociously priced. It was ridiculously priced. And I said, you can keep looking, but you can't have. Like, look, but don't touch, right? We are not buying that bag for Christmas. And so he wanted this thing so badly. And a couple weeks before Christmas, I think it might have only been two weeks before Christmas, I went out to the mailbox and I opened it up and I found a check from my grandpa that was a pretty amazing amount of money. And I thought, this is my moment. This is my opportunity. He has no idea we got this check. And so I went to the bank and I cashed it and I got online and I looked at Nordstrom and the backpack was slightly on sale. Slightly. I do mean slightly. And I decided I'm going to get this bag and it is going to be the best Christmas that Pastor Kerry has ever had. And so I ordered this bag online. Nordstrom was amazing. They packaged it up in a beautiful silver box with a silver bow. Come on, somebody. And then 
there's this awesome thing called curbside delivery. Some of the stores are doing it this season. Oh my goodness, blow your minds, amazing. And I just showed up to Nordstrom and I sat in my car and someone walked this gift out to me. I felt like I was royalty. And I took it home and I put it underneath the tree in the very, very back. And the girls and I, we could not wait for Christmas morning because Pastor Kerry would have no idea that he was actually going to get this backpack. And so we got through all the presents on Christmas morning. We unwrapped everything and there was the silver Nordstrom box. And Carrie says, well, who's this to? And we're all just smiling. We're waiting on the edge of our seats and we're all just smiling and we're like, it's to you. So he pulls it out to open it and he opens it up and he just begins to weep. (laughs) I'm teasing. There was no weeping involved, but maybe a small tear. He was so excited to get this gift, but let me just tell you, it made my Christmas that I was able to surprise him with that gift. There was something about giving an amazing gift. And the Bible says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You see, God gave the greatest gift to mankind when he gave the gift of Jesus. There was no greater gift. And I just think that God in heaven must have been so excited to give this gift to the entire world. And when I read the Christmas story and I read about the fact that he sent hundreds and hundreds of angels into the sky to announce this gift, I'm thinking, yes, it is the greatest gift ever. And God must have been so excited to give this gift to mankind. And I also think God was making a statement. He was making a statement by letting the angels show up to all the shepherds first. He didn't show up to royalty. He didn't show up to the elite of society. Nobody earned this gift that was showing up. No, he showed up to the most lowly of low, the shepherds. And I just think God was making a statement that this gift, this gift of Jesus would be for everyone, for every single one of us. And he was so excited to give this gift. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, it says that when the angels arrived on the scene, they said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Listen, this is a gift from God to every single one of us. And what is it? News of great joy. But I just imagine that in this room today, there's probably a handful of people who are a little bit low in their joy tank. I just imagine there's some people here today that might be struggling with joy. And maybe you're here and your joy tank is full and and you're just celebrating and enjoying life. Well, listen, there will be a moment in this message for you today too. But I think for the rest of us, I I think sometimes when we come into Christmas, we don't necessarily feel like we're experiencing the most wonderful time of the year. And maybe Christmas for you is just not feeling like the happiest season of all, right? I mean, if you were to be honest with yourself, maybe you're here today and you feel like you're lacking a little bit in joy. And I just want you to know that the enemy is going to use every opportunity he can to steal your joy. Every opportunity that he can. And you know, just when we think that we've got our head and our hands and our hearts wrapped around the idea of joy, one phone call, one text, one email, one fight with your spouse, one unexpected bill, one doctor's diagnosis 
and it slips right out of your grasp again. And you see, the thing is, is we're human. Every single one of us in this room, we, we think from a natural human perspective, and we can't be faulted for that. And the circumstances that every single one of us walk through, listen, they do have an effect on us. They absolutely do. But the good news is, is that we have a choice. We may not have any control over the circumstances that we're walking through and what we're dealing with, but I want you to know, Movement Church, nothing and no one can steal your joy without your consent. Nothing and no one can steal your joy without your consent. You see, the gift of joy, it's an inside job. Happiness, happiness is a feeling, something we feel, but joy, joy is a choice. We can choose joy. But I think the thing is, is that we might just need to learn how. We might need to learn how to choose joy. So today, I just thought I would talk to you about four ways that we can choose joy. And they might not all apply to you today, but maybe one of them will. And maybe if you can walk out of this room with one idea of how to choose joy, it might empower you to really experience it this Christmas season. So the first one is this, choose joy over discouragement. Choose joy over discouragement. Listen, discouragement, it comes for all of us, doesn't it? It really does. I, I was watching this movie with my, my kids. I hope that you have seen this movie. It's called It's a Wonderful Life. Have you seen it? A couple of you. Some of you have some Christmas homework to do. You need to watch this movie. I was watching It's a Wonderful Life, and, and what happens is there's this character named George Bailey, and he's going through a hard time, and everyone is praying for George Bailey. So, so the God in heaven, he decides he's going to send an angel to help George Bailey out. And, and this angel, his name is Clarence. And Clarence is kind of getting some information and a review of what's happening with George Bailey's life. And he pauses and he asks, he says, what's the matter with him? Is he sick? And the voice in heaven says, no, much worse. He's discouraged. Isn't it interesting how discouragement can truly affect us? You know, I looked at the synonyms for discouragement, and the words were this, hopelessness, depression, a loss of confidence, low spirits, maybe disappointment. I think all of us have experienced disappointment. But the antonyms, the opposite, were this, hopefulness, cheer, confidence, encouragement, joy. Joy is the opposite of discouragement. The problem is discouragement comes for all of us, and it often comes when life doesn't look like what you expected it to look like. And the thing about discouragement is it whispers lies to say, you're not doing enough. You're not good enough. It tells you that things are not ever going to change. And here's the thing. Discouragement is exhausting. It's exhausting. The book of Proverbs in chapter 17, verse 22 says this, a cheerful heart is a good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. And that word discouragement, the very beginning part of the word, the root word dis, actually means the reversal of. So when we think about discouragement, what's it actually saying? The reversal of courage. And I think every single one of us can relate to those little things that just kind of take the wind out of our sails, that take the courage out. Failures or setbacks that cause us to shrink back from maybe trying the next time. Rejection in a relationship that says, I, I'm just going to put my walls up and isolate. There's all these little things that we might experience discouragement in where the courage gets sucked out. 
And these things, they sap our strength and they exhaust us. But, but here's the good news. God's gift to us is the gift of joy. See, God actually wants to put courage in to your heart. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says this, always be joyful. Everybody look at a neighbor and say, always be joyful. It's kind of hard to say, isn't it? Because sometimes you don't feel joyful. So when it says always be joyful, then the question is, okay, how? Well, that scripture in 1 Thessalonians, it continues on and it tells us how. It tells us this, be thankful in all circumstances. That can be challenging. Be thankful in all circumstances. So how do I choose joy over discouragement? I'm going to have to find some things that I'm thankful for. And then I'm going to have to rehearse them. I'm going to have to just say them over and over again. You know, I love that I live in Southern California. And sometimes when I'm really struggling and I'm feeling discouraged, do you know what I have to do? I have to drive myself down to strands. And I have to sit in the parking lot and look past all of those amazing houses and stare at the ocean as the waves are coming in and going out. And I've got to stare at the ocean and remind myself how thankful I am that I can drive a few minutes from my home and I can see the ocean because there's something about it that just makes me happy. It just brings me joy. And so sometimes I have to take some steps to practice my gratitude. You know, I have a friend who was really struggling in her marriage and and she was just really discouraged with the state of her marriage. And so she decided she was going to do something and I'm so proud of her. She decided that every night before she went to bed, She was going to keep a journal beside her bed, and she was going to write down three things, three things that she was grateful for about her spouse. And and she started out, and when she got started, she's sitting in bed looking over at this man next to her, and she's like, I'm thankful he's breathing, I think. (laughs) And then she's like, I'm thankful that I can stay warm in my bed at night. You know, whatever. She's just finding anything and everything she can to be thankful for. And for a handful of weeks, it was the same thing every night because she just didn't have that much she was feeling. But the more she began to rehearse her gratefulness, the more she began to become thankful for so many more things. You see, sometimes we've just got to get our perspective shifted and begin to find something that we're thankful for and rehearse it. You see, there's so many times in life where your experience will not match your expectation. It will not. Now, I told you I love Christmas. And and this Christmas, we decorated earlier than we've ever decorated before. Like the beginning of November, two days after Halloween, we were pulling the Christmas tree out. We were so excited to decorate for Christmas. And, And this year, we got everything set up, and I thought, we need some more Christmas decorations we don't have nearly enough. And and so I got on Amazon because I love Amazon. Who wants to go out to the store? So I'm like, I'm going to find something. And I found these Christmas trees and not like giant Christmas trees, but the kind you set on a shelf or, you know, on a table. And I found these Christmas trees, this set of 24 Christmas trees. And I was like, this is amazing. And it was a great price. And I'm like, I am going to order this and I'm going to decorate the house with Christmas trees. I mean, the table, I'm going to put some around the nativity scene because I'm sure there was trees near the stable. And, and I'm going to decorate, and I was so excited. And I was anticipating this delivery. And here's the thing. My husband also loves Amazon. And so I often find Amazon deliveries, and I have no idea what they're going to be. And, and one day I came home, and I, I found this little tiny box on our, 
on our doorstep. And, and I thought, what did Pastor Kerry order this time? I just, he orders things all, what did he order this time? And so I took it inside the house and, and I set it down on the counter and I thought, well, I'm just going to have a look and see what he ordered. And, and so I opened it up and my trees had arrived. <laughs> you can't even see this, can you? My experience did not match my expectation. <laughs> but I just wonder how many of us, we feel like this in life. Where we have a huge expectation for God to do something amazing, and yet we feel like this is what we get. <laughs> you know, when we were first married, someone told us, and I think it saved our marriage, they said, if you can laugh about it later, you can laugh about it now. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's so true. You know, sometimes we just have to choose to find joy. We've got to choose to. And sometimes we've just got to find some ways to rehearse our thankfulness and our gratitude. So I just want to challenge you, if you feel discouraged, if you feel tired this holiday season, choose joy over discouragement. The second one would be this, choose joy over fear. Choose joy over fear. You know, fear comes in all shapes and sizes, doesn't it? I think for some of us, it comes from our own self-created fears, the what-ifs, the worst-case scenarios for all my sixes on the Enneagram, right? I think for some of us, we create these ideas in our head, and they just, our thoughts run away with themselves. But for some of us, we experience fear because of very present reality, anxiety from bills that are showing up or budgets that need to be met, health issues, broken relationships. And here's the thing about fear. Fear wages a silent war in your mind. And fear will suffocate any and all joy. You need to know this. The goal of fear is fear is going to do everything it can to herd you into a prison and slam the door. The Bible tells us, though, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. A sound mind, the ability to think wisely, to choose wisely. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But for so many of us, we excuse our fears with logic and realism. Just going, well, these are just the facts. This is just what could happen. This is the worst case scenario. And listen to me, church, there will always be a worst case scenario. There always will be, but there will always be a best case scenario too. So no matter what the doctor's report says, yes, it's real. Yes, there's real possibilities that you might be facing and you might be up against. Yes, there's always a worst case scenario, but listen, there's always a best case scenario too, because we serve a God in heaven who is a miracle working God. The Bible says he took stripes on his back so that we can be healed. So no no matter what the doctor's report might say, there's a best case scenario too, because God is a miracle working God. Maybe you're facing some present anxiety, some real stuff, some bills that need to be paid, and there's, there's some pressure that you're feeling and some real negative possibilities. But there's a best case scenario too, because when I do my part and I honor God with my finances and I steward them to the best of my ability, I can take him at his word that he is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He's my provider. So there's a best case scenario too. And the problem is if we allow fear to be the thing that we focus on, the fear, the what ifs, the, the worst case scenarios, if we allow fear to be the thing we focus on, you're literally choosing to hand over the keys to your joy. You're literally choosing to hand over the keys to your joy. 
In the book of Philippians, we find out how to choose joy over fear. And I love that the author of this book is someone we can relate to. The author of this book is a man named Paul. And let me tell you, this man experienced more than anybody should ever have to experience in a lifetime. He was persecuted for his faith. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was bit by a poisonous snake. He faced a million different health challenges. He was in prison time and time again. But this is a man who knew how to choose joy. And he instructed us in how to do this in the book of Philippians chapter 4 verse 4. And he says this, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. You know, if anybody ever has to repeat themselves, they're really trying to get a point across here. Paul's going, choose joy. And he continues on in verse six, and he says, listen to me, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, he's saying, don't be anxious. Don't allow fear to be the soundtrack that's running in your mind. Don't be anxious about anything. Pray about everything and be thankful. And peace is going to come. But it continues on and it tells us how to do this. It says this, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is good what is pure, what is honorable, what is excellent or praiseworthy. Listen, we get to choose what we're going to think about. We get to choose what we're going to think about. And so I just want to challenge you, church, let's let this Christmas be a reminder to choose joy over discouragement and to choose joy over fear. Number three, I want to challenge you to choose joy in the midst of suffering. Choose joy in the midst of suffering. You know, the thing about the holidays is they can often remind us of loss and they can illuminate pain. You know, when you're suffering, it throws a heavy blanket over celebrating. It becomes something that you feel just as much as something that you think. And I just, I wanna take the time in church and acknowledge this, that listen, loss is real. Grief is real, and they're not to be ignored. You see, God gave us the grieving process as the beautiful part of the healing process. And I just wanna give somebody permission today to feel that whatever you might be walking through this holiday season, that you have permission to feel. You've got permission to grieve, permission to heal. And listen, joy can be found in the midst of suffering. It can be found in the midst of suffering. And I know most of you know my story, but I know there's people here who may not. And, and for me, my dad passed away just about 12 years ago. And he was young, he was 56, and he'd battled cancer for about three years, a rare form of cancer. And, and we prayed and prayed and believed for healing, but ultimately God chose to heal him on the other side of eternity. And it's been almost 12 years, but I still find myself moved with emotion. And as I went home for Thanksgiving this year and I went to spend some time with my mom, I walked into her house and it's not the house I grew up in, but the things that I grew up with were in the house. And, and I walked in and I was so overcome by grief and it surprised me. I thought, well, I thought that I, I thought I dealt with this, but it, it hit me so hard. And so I began to spend some time while I was at home and I began to just look through old pictures and read through old letters and I stumbled across this letter. 
And this letter was a letter that was written to my mom when she lost her dad, when he was just a young age. And as I read this letter, it was so profound. And the things that were inside of it were so profound, I thought, I have to share this with our church because I know that there's people who are in the room today, and today you're remembering something that was lost. Today, maybe you're reflecting on a lost relationship or a lost loved one, and, and the holidays just tend to illuminate that. And, and I just want to encourage you with a letter that was written to my mom because I found that there was some great insight in here. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it was introduced as a letter to my mom and to my dad, just encouraging them to embrace the grieving process. And it picks up in the middle and it says this, you're going to have many questions that are going to be directed towards God. Why did this happen? Why my dad? Why wasn't he healed? An anger towards God, towards self, towards the world we live in might happen. And these are not necessarily meant questions meant to be answered or even discussed in great detail. But listen, don't suppress the feelings associated with these statements. God gave us the grieving process as a part of dealing with the hurts and pains in this world. Please don't suppress your feelings in fear of insulting God. Ours is a gracious and loving God. And he's certainly big enough to understand when one of his children is hurting. Being angry at God won't hurt God. And neither will it provoke him to take measures against us. But being angry at the situation, recognizing it as something rotten, unfair, and undeserved, shouting about it, crying about it, it will permit you to discharge the anger without making it harder for you to be helped. And should you question, why weren't my prayers answered? Consider this. You, your friends, and your relatives prayed. And at times when you felt so alone, you found out you were not alone at all. You found out how many people were hurting for you and with you. And they were trying to tell you that your father's life meant a lot to them too. And that whatever happened to you, you would not be totally alone. Now listen to this part because I love this part. In your desperation, you opened your heart in prayer. A miracle to avert tragedy was not delivered, but you discovered people around you God beside you and strength within you to help you survive this tragedy. This is also an example of prayer being answered. God inspires people to help other people who've been hurt by life and by helping them they protect them from feeling alone. You know, I love this because that statement, people around us, God beside us, strength within us. What a beautiful depiction of the church. You don't have to walk through the pain alone. You know, this Christmas, I think maybe more than any other. I found myself grieving with so many people who've walked through and experienced loss. I actually, before I came on the platform, had to pray for God to help me because I saw my sweet friend Gail walk in. And she just experienced tremendous loss last week. But 
you're not a stranger to loss. And I've just grieved with the people that I know that are so broken and hurting. A pastor friend across the country just lost her father and another pastor friend that is dear to my heart, his wife just received a diagnosis that is literally gonna change the trajectory of their plans and their dreams. And I find myself just overwhelmed and in tears and I feel the pain so deeply because I have felt that kind of pain before. And I asked myself the other day, when am I gonna stop crying? When am I gonna not cry anymore? And then I thought, you know what? I need to cry. I need to feel. I I need to remember, do you know why? Because I need to be for others what so many were for me. And some of you are in this room and you've walked through pain and you've known loss and I just wanna challenge you not to live in a place of pain and loss because you might miss the opportunity to be for someone what someone else was for you. We find joy in the midst of suffering when we choose to see the beauty of Jesus in the midst of our pain. Nehemiah 8.10 says this, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord. What does it mean? It means we fix our eyes on Jesus. We remember who he is. We experience joy that can only be found in him. And then he gives us this strength, strength to endure the unendurable, strength to navigate the challenges. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So 1 Peter 1.6 says this, be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than gold. So choose joy in the midst of suffering. And finally, choose joy in belief. Choose joy in belief. There's joy to be found when we take God at his word. When we believe that he is who he says he is, and he can do what he says he can do. I love the Christmas story. Because in the book of Luke chapter 1, we find this little girl named Mary this young virgin girl who's visited by an angel. And this angel shows up and tells her that she has been chosen. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, she is going to conceive and give birth to the Messiah. Can you imagine how crazy that must have sounded? Can you imagine how Mary must have felt in that moment? And she had all these questions. How could this even be? And I love the angel's reply in verse 37. It says this, nothing will be impossible with God. And some of you need to be reminded today, nothing is impossible with God. And I love Mary's response. Do you know what she said? She said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary chose to believe And then she decided to go and visit her cousin Elizabeth, who also was miraculously pregnant. And and she was a few months further along. And the baby that Elizabeth was carrying would be John the Baptist, who would come to prepare the way for the Messiah. And when Mary shows up, Elizabeth, by the power of the Holy Spirit, recognizes that Mary is carrying the Messiah. 
And it says this in chapter 1, verse 44. It says, behold, this is Elizabeth talking. When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby within my womb leapt for joy. There's something about the presence of Jesus that brings joy. And it continued on and it said this, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Listen, joy is not found in your external circumstances. Joy is not found in what you are walking through. Joy is found in belief. Belief that God is who he says he is. And he can do what he says he can do. And no matter what you might be walking through this holiday season, it all pales in the light of Jesus. It all pales in the light of Jesus. You know, I, I share that I love Christmas and one of my favorite moments in my favorite Christmas movie is when Buddy the Elf sees Santa. He says, Santa, I know him. I love that part. I repeat it over and over all year. I know him. But do you know what? I feel this way about Jesus. Jesus, I know him. I know him. I am so excited when I hear the name of Jesus because I would not be where I am today if it were not for Jesus by my side. I wouldn't have been able to navigate loss. I wouldn't have been able to face some of the things that I've walked through if it were not for Jesus. It's because of Jesus that I can stand on this platform and share the word today. Jesus, I know him. So when people talk about him, I think, yes, I know him. But my question for you today is, do you? Do you? There's joy found in belief. Do you know him? You see, God parted heaven and earth to send his son Jesus as a gift for you and me. John 3, 16, he so loved the world, that means he so loved you that he gave his only son so that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. There is a promise of hope in eternity that is found in Jesus. This promise that is offered to us, this gift. But you know, a gift has to be received. Nobody forces a gift on anyone. A gift has to be received. You reach out your hands and you grasp it. And you need to know that this gift from Jesus, there's no strings attached. You don't have to get your life together first. You don't have to get things all cleaned up first. No, this gift of Jesus is a free gift. And maybe you're here and you've been searching. Maybe you've been searching for peace. Maybe you've been searching for hope, for joy, for love. I don't know your story, but maybe you're here and you've just been wrestling with this idea of faith and I just want to challenge you. It's time to stop wrestling and it's time to choose Jesus. Listen, the Bible says he stands at the door and knocks and anyone who would open the door, he will come in. Maybe you're here and and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I really believe today's your day. There's joy that's found in believing. And maybe you're here and you've just been running from God because maybe you've been angry at him. Maybe you've been battling disappointment and you've just been choosing to do things your own way. Listen, today is the day to come back. There's joy that's found in belief. And I'd just like to take a moment right in the middle of this service and to pray with you. And I'm not going to ask anyone to get out of their seats or anybody to even pray out loud. This is a moment between you and God. 
But if you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, today's your day. And I'd love to invite you to pray with me. So I'm going to ask everyone in this room right now in this quiet moment to bow your head and close your eyes. Please, nobody moving around, nobody getting up. Let's just take a moment between you and God. And if you're here today and you need to make a decision to follow Jesus, I'd like to invite you to pray this prayer with me in the quietness of your own heart between you and God. And just say this, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that I've sinned and I've tried to do this all on my own. But today I'm making a decision to follow you. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. And all around the room, if that's you, and this is the decision you need to make today, in your own words and in your own heart between you and God, would you just say this? Say, Jesus, I give you my life in Jesus' name. Awesome. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're good. God, I thank you that even in the midst of the things we can't understand, that God, you're still good that you love us, that your word promises you'll never leave us or forsake us. So God, we just today choose to fix our attention on you. Today we choose joy in Jesus' name. And everybody looking at me for just one last moment that we have together. Joy, it's something we get to choose. But my hope for you is that you'd experience the beautiful hope, the peace, the joy that is found in Jesus. And the greatest way to find joy is to pursue Jesus with all of your heart, to get your attention fixed on him, not the circumstances you're walking through. And it's gonna take a little bit of work. It's gonna take some intentionality. But Psalm 16, 11, it tells us, you make known to me the path of life. And in your presence, there is fullness of joy. There is joy available for you and me this morning. And I want to encourage you with so many distractions this holiday season, with so much busyness, with so much failure and pain in this world that we live in, we get to choose to focus our attention and Christmas is the greatest reminder. We focus our attention to the manger, to the gift of Jesus, the gift of Jesus, which brings us joy. So this Christmas, could you challenge yourself to choose joy, choose joy over discouragement, By choosing an attitude of gratitude, find something, anything. Find something you're grateful for and just begin to rehearse it. Let's choose joy over discouragement. Let's choose joy over fear. Let's stop dwelling on the worst case scenarios and let's fix our attention on who God says he is. Let's fix our focus and fix our thoughts on things that are good, on things that are true, on things that are excellent. If you're dealing with a health issue, you remind yourself, God is my healer. He took stripes on his back so that I can be healed. If you're struggling financially, you remind yourself, no, God is my provider. Let's choose joy over fear this holiday season. And let's choose joy in the midst of suffering. Let's not forget the people that are around us that might need a little extra time, that might need a a hug or a helping hand. Let's not forget if we've walked through pain or loss ourselves. Let's not get so lost in our own pain that we forget to be a light to someone else. Let's choose joy over suffering. And let's choose joy and belief that God is who he says he is. He can do what he says he can do. Amen. I'd like to pray over all of us one closing prayer. It's found in the book of Romans chapter 15, verse 13, and I hope you'll take it with you in your heart this morning. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? 
The book of Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says this, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.